<laughs> Let's see what we got. <laughs> uh, if you got a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to dive in. We're going to finish up the chapter uh, this morning. And I don't know about you, I, I've done these. I used to be on staff with this ministry called Campus Crusade for Conferences. And uh, and so... <laughs> So, uh, so I've been a, been to a few of these things, and uh, you know my my recognition is that uh, is that oftentimes this last talk is like, can we just finish up and head on home? <laughs> so, uh, so I don't plan on us uh, going going too deep and too long, uh, but I but I do want to uh, give you a little bit this morning uh, finishing up. First Corinthians 13, you know, we've looked at this thing called amazing love. Uh, and, you know, and, and I hope that you come away from this knowing that this is not just some kind of ordinary love, you know, but this is a, this is love with a capital L, you know, capital O, capital V, capital E in all bold, all caps. It's that kind of love. You know, uh, this is not just some love that the world has, but it's really this special, special love. Um, and, you know, everybody loves something. Everybody loves somebody, you know. And uh, depending on what your relationship is to something or somebody usually depends on kind of what that love looks like. Uh, you know, like I, I love my neighborhood. I love Dorchester. You know, I, I've fallen in love with Boston. But from day one, my neighborhood, I love my neighborhood. You know, it's crazy. I mean, there are people from all over the world bumping up against each other, you know. Uh, and, and it's, it, you know, it's there's sirens, there's trains, there's cars and there's always people not using the crosswalks. I mean, it, it, you know, but I get bored easily. So I love the chaos. I love my neighborhood, but I also love barbecue chicken. I don't know if you do, but I do. And, uh, but, but I love my neighborhood in a different way than I love barbecue chicken, you know, and I also love my wife. But I love barbecue chicken in a different way than I love my wife, right? And I love my kids, but I love my wife in a way that I, you know, that I don't love my kids. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So the point is, is that depending on kind of what your relationship is, depends upon the type of love that you have. But see, the Bible tells us that there is this special love, this, this love with all caps, this amazing, amazing love. And, and the way that Paul defines this love is we looked at it last night, that love is patient and it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then in verse eight, the crazy thing that he says is that Love never ends. Wow. Love never ends. You know, here's the, the, the main point this, this morning is that, that th- this love is so amazing because it never ends. It never ends. And you know what? There's not much else in this world that you can say that of. But love never ends. 
Love never ends. You know, when we come to retreats like this and you step away from your work or your studies or, or, and you just kind of step out of your life and here you are, and maybe even this morning as you spent time with the Lord, maybe you were able to kind of step away and kind of take a, an evaluation of your life. You know, and, and I think a great question for us is to think about the things that I'm working towards and striving for in my life. Could I say that it will never end? Could I say that that will last for eternity? That that will actually last? You know, I, I, some of us, if we're honest, is we're spending a whole lot of time working to get money. We just are. And you got to have money to survive. But some of us are really working hard so that we can get bank. We can own the bank, right? And, and the question becomes, will that last forever? You know, so, some of you are working, giving your life to particular causes. Some of them are very good and very helpful. But I think a great question is, 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 is will that last forever? Some of you, if you're honest, you're working for a name. You're working for your name. You want your name to be known. If people would just know who you are. But you know what? In my, in my church, we meet in this old Baptist church. And behind us is the cemetery. And there, there, are, there, are, there are gravestones that go back to like 1700. And you know what? Those people's names, you can't even read their names anymore. The, the reality is, is that 50 years, 100 years from now, probably there's going to be very few people who will know your name. The things that you are working towards and spending your money towards and spending your talents on and your time on, will it last forever? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Well, what Paul tells us, Starting in verse 8 is that love, this thing love, this amazing love, one of the things that's so amazing about it is that it lasts forever. never ends. Let me read to you verses 8 through 13, and we're going to chop it up a little bit. But here's what he says. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's three things I want us to, you got to have a three-point sermon, right? Amen. Trinity, come on. All right. And so, uh, so here's three points I want us to look at as we chop this up. Um, the, the first one is the endlessness of amazing love. The second one, the maturity of amazing love. And then finally, the greatness of amazing love. Uh, so number one, the endlessness of amazing love. In verse 8, Paul says, 
that love never ends. Think about that. That love never ends. Now, if you're thinking from a worldly perspective, you go, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because the world will tell you that nothing lasts forever. I mean, love and love, that's not what we see. You know, you know, J-Lo, Chris Judd, right? Yeah. How how long was that? Um, Like eight months, you know, Kim Kardashian, Chris Humphreys. Anybody remember how long? Come on, 72 days. (laughs) Boom. Love lasts forever? Oh my goodness. Chad Ocho Cinco. (laughs) Yeah, what was the lady's name? Uh, Lauren, uh, was it? No, Evelyn uh, Lozada. Lozada. Yeah. Ocho Cinco, the day of their their wedding. I I follow him on Twitter. Don't tell anybody. I unfollowed him recently, but I did follow him. In his his wedding, at his the day of his wedding, he is tweeting like crazy tweeting about how he's got butterflies and he's so in love and he can't you know. Two months later, she's in the hospital and he's locked up. You know, I, love lasts forever, huh? Well, some love doesn't last forever, obviously. But what Paul is telling us is, is that there is a love that lasts forever. There is a particular kind of love, this amazing love, that lasts forever. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Types of Love. And he basically looks in the Greek about these, these four different Greek words. And maybe you're familiar with these words. But, but uh, he, it basically, there's these four Greek words that were used for love. And that's used in the Bible. Uh, one is this word uh, eros, where we get our word erotica from. And it's kind of this passionate Love, you know. Um, another is this word uh, filio, that that like where we get Philadelphia brotherly love, and it's kind of this friendship of a type love, you know. And then there's uh, there's uh, this other love called storge love, and it's uh, it's family love, you know. It's the way that I I feel about my children, you know, that I have this this love for them. But the fourth one is the word that is used here that Paul uses, and it's this word agape, agape love. And it's this special kind of love that is this unconditional love. Unconditional. No conditions on it. I I love the way one commentator, he he says that agape love is an other-centered concern expressed at great cost. I like that. Other-centered concern expressed at great cost. And, you know, this is the kind of love when we see in John three sixteen for God so agape the world that he sent his only son. You know, that God demonstrates his agape love towards us and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You know, this is the love that Jesus said that, that a new commandment I give you in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you that just as I have agape you, so you now go and agape others for, for people will know that you are my followers by your agape. You know, that, that's, that's this 
kind of love. And it's that kind of love that Paul says lasts forever. That love doesn't end. It lasts forever. You know, my fifth child, um, her name is Hope. And uh, Hope came to our, I'm going to try to do this. I'm, I'm not a wuss, but I do weep. Um, <laughs> uh, she came to our family in a little different way. Uh, she was adopted. And, uh, you know, what's different about that, uh, people, you know, have asked me, do you feel differently uh, about her because she's adopted? And I have to say, yeah, I do. I do. Because, see, I had to, I had to go get her. I had to make a choice that I was going to go get her and, and I was going to say, you're going to be mine, girl. You're mine. And I'm your dad. And there's something a little different about that. And at night when I'm putting her to bed, uh, she's never watched Barney. I don't know. It's maybe some of y'all grew up with Barney. But she's never watched Barney. But there's that Barney song. And, and every night, She's laying in bed and she puts the covers over her head. And I walk into the room and I go, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. With a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? And she'll go, two. And I'll say three, and she'll say four, and I'll say five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then, and then she'll say, in infinity and beyond. And I'll say, in infinity and back. It never ends. That's the kind of love. And you know what? She is a rascal. Of all my children, pray for her. God help her. She is a rascal. I mean, oh my goodness. I, I could tell you stories. But that will never change my love for her. And, I, and, and me being a totally flawed, screwed up and imperfect father, how much even more so our heavenly father who came after you. You came to him in a different kind of way. He had to choose you. He had to come after you and say, you know what? You're going to be mine, girl. You're going to be mine, boy. I'm going to be your daddy. And see, that's the kind of love that Paul is talking about here. And it's a love that is amazing because it's endless. It's endless. But you know what? What's interesting is, is that when you get a hold of this love, it's not just the endlessness of this love, but there is a maturity that comes once you receive this love. And that's what Paul gets into here. Uh, actually, in, in verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. See, there's a maturity that comes in this love. That once you experience the love of the Father, we begin to kind of grow up. And this morning, some of us need to grow up. <laughs> you can actually look at, look at the person beside you and smile at them and say, you need to grow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, now, some of y'all like that way too much, right? Some of you like that way too much. You're like, you need to grow up. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, the truth is, is that's true, is that, that, that we need to grow up. There, there's this thing in the Christian life that when you experience the love of God, you begin to grow up, that you let go of the childish ways and childish things. And here's the good news about that is, is that really it kind of happens naturally. You know, I, I, I've got a boy who's a freshman in high school. Uh, about a year and a half ago, he was this kind of little stringy type boy, had, had this kind of mousy, high-pitched voice, you know. And like a year and a half later, this brother's six foot one. He's got a size, he's still growing, he's got a size 15 shoe, you know. He's got this husky voice now, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's just got, you know, he's, he's big old shoulders. He's growing up. You know, it just, he didn't, and and the thing was, was he didn't have to do anything for that. It just kind of naturally happened. Now, the truth, though, is, is that he has also, though, He'll, he'll throw himself on the ground and, and push out 10 push-ups like that. He's, I don't know. It's a testosterone thing. I don't know. He just throws, like, I got to know where. He just drops and starts doing push-ups. Um, he's crazy. You know, and he, he, he loves to work out. And, and he, he, will, he will sit, lie in bed as he's doing his reading for school. And he's got, you know, one of those things that you squeeze to work on his forearms. And he's just reading. <laughs> You know, and, and, and so the thing is, is like, there's this sense where he's naturally growing, but he's also doing some work, working out to make sure that he's growing in the right kind of way, you know, and, and that's kind of a good word for us, right? That, that you, when you experience this love of the father, this amazing love and you begin to grow, you're going to grow. But you can also do some good things that will help you in your growth. Things like being with the people of God. Things like coming on retreats. Things like being, spending time with the Lord. These are good ways for you to kind of be there and grow up and to continue to experience His love and grow even more in this amazing love. That's a good thing. I, let me give you two ways that I think uh, that that this maturity of love seems to happen. Um, one is that we need to grow up in our love for God. You know, uh, that the things of God become important to us. Uh, coming and, 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 and this appreciation for worship, you know, and, uh, and, and what often happens, what I see happen with a lot of people as they grow up is that they begin to mature and they are able to enjoy different types of worship. You know, that no longer do I have to have the hymns or no longer do I have to have the, the Chris Tomlin or, or, you know, no longer. Do, but but, but my, I, can, I can be expanded in terms of worship. I can actually enjoy liturgy and, and the richness of these things. You know, uh, you, you begin to uh, have a greater appreciation for the things of God. Now, here's the second thing. It's not only growing your love for God, but growing your love for others. Particularly, others who aren't like yourself. Like that, that's maturity. That's maturity is growing in your love towards others, particularly those who are not like yourself. Um, what do we call, uh, what do we call it when we only love one type of person? You know, people who look like us. Uh, people who uh, dress like us, people who eat the same food as us, um, people who uh, listen to the same music as us, uh, people that, yeah, what, what do we call that? 
How about this? A gang. We call that a gang, right? I mean, that's a gang. When, when all you can do is be with people who look like you, who dress like you, who talk like you, listen to the same music as you, we call that a gang. And you know, and what happens in a gang? Hatred, discord, violence, right? And you know what, brothers and sisters? It's no different in the church, than the church. Yeah. You know, I, I know white pastors who, who will say white people need to just worship with white people. It's just better that way. White people just need to marry white people. White people just need to live with white people. It's just better that way. But you know what? I know black pastors the same way. I know Korean pastors. Your pastor's not one, but I know Korean pastors. <laughs> like <this. laughs> But you know what? Those folks ain't going to like heaven. I mean, in Revelation 7, you know what's so beautiful? Now, I'm going to preach here in a minute. Okay. What's so beautiful about Revelation 7 is that it says that, that this vision of what heaven is and what it will be is that there is every tongue, tribe, and nation are gathered together to worship the Lord. Now, let me tell you something there. That doesn't mean we lose our distinctions. Because you see every tongue, tribe, and nation... And they're still there and they still got their distinctions. You know, I tell our folks, look, we're not trying to be a melting pot. We don't want you to be, a, we don't want you to melt. We, we, we're, we're just a pot, you know, but you come on and you, you know, you, if, if you're Chinese American, you bring your Chineseness. You know, if you're Native American, bring your nativeness. We, we need you. We need that because, because that is beautiful. And here's the thing is if we are growing in our love and we are growing up, doesn't that mean that as a church, we begin to look more like heaven? Uh, it really, I mean, if growing personally, if sanctification personally is me becoming more and more like Jesus, then us as a church, is it not that we would become more and more like heaven? Yeah. And we, as long as we need to grow up, we need to grow up. All right, let's go to the third thing. Here's the third thing is I want you to see the greatness of amazing love. Look, look in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known. Now, here's the the greatness of amazing love. The thing that's so great about amazing love is that it never ends. We're back where we started. Yeah. And, and, And you look in verse 12, he says, he's got a now and then. He says, for now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, only in part, but then I shall know fully. Now, what, what is the now and then? Well, the now is right now, the current situation. The then, if you go over to verse 10, he says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The then is when the perfect comes. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's what the Bible teaches, brothers and sisters, is that what we see right here is not all that there is, but there is something. This is partial. We look in a mirror, but the mirror is dim. See, the Corinthians were known for their mirrors, but their mirrors were made out of metal. And so it wasn't like how we look in a mirror and we see what we see back, but it was actually, it was all messed up and distorted. It was, you know, we only see in a mirror dimly now, but then when the perfect comes, we're going to see fully, we're going to see face to face. 
Yeah. And see what's so beautiful about this. This is what the Bible teaches is that right now things aren't the way they're supposed to be. But Jesus is going to come back. I love. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to set it all right. You know, I've got my, I got another kid I haven't told you much about. He's, he's my Chinese son. Um, he's from Shanghai. And he's a junior in high school, and he lives with my family. Uh, he's been, this is his second year of living with us, and uh, he'll be with us through high school. Uh, but Charles, last fall, became a Christian. Came from a very affluent family in China, uh, but total, total atheist. And my whole family was able just to kind of walk him through and share the good news of Jesus with him. It was so beautiful. Uh, my, my ninth grade boy shares a room with him. And, uh, you know, they would stay up late at night talking about Jesus. And Charles came to faith in Jesus. He sat around the, the family table. And, and after dinner one night, he said, I'm ready, to be, I'm ready to become a Christian. He said, I'm ready to, to be a part of, of God's family. And I want to receive the mark. And so he was baptized and it was beautiful. And, and you know, but he's got this young faith. And, and, uh, not too long ago, my wife was talking to him and, and she was talking about the kingdom of God. And he said, I, mom, explain to me what, what, what is this kingdom of God thing? And, and what does it mean that the kingdom of God is coming? You know, and my wife started explaining to him that, that things aren't the way they're supposed to be right now, but, but there's going to come a time when God's kingdom, when his rule and reign will become evident in those places that right now it doesn't look like he's ruling and reigning. But his rule and reign is going to come to those places and he's going to come and set everything right when Jesus comes back. And he went, what, well, hang on, hang on a minute. Jesus is coming back. And she said, yeah, he's coming back. And he said, he's coming back? She said, yeah, he's coming back. And he said, well, I didn't know he was coming back. <laughs> I mean, for Charles, it was just enough that he had come once and, and died for his sin. But the, but the idea that he was going to come back and set it all straight. Oh, my goodness. That's that's unbelievable. And see, this is what Paul is saying is that that right now we only see impartial. But when the perfect comes, we're going to see it all and, and, and see all that is about his love. It's all motivated by his love that he is going to come back. And right now, brothers and sisters, we weep. Right now, we are broken. Right now, we cry out. Right now, we struggle with our addictions. Right now, we suffer with our afflictions. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to wipe away all of our tears. And he's going to set it all straight. And you know what? When that happens, we will love perfectly. And we will experience his love perfectly. And he says right here in verse 14, he says, so right now, faith, hope, and love abide. Now, what he's saying is, is right now we got faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, why is the greatest of these love? Well, let's look at faith. Faith, you got to have faith. I mean, faith, faith, we need faith. Paul says that, or, or the writer of Hebrews in 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Paul says that you have been saved by faith or you have been saved by grace through faith. And then he tells us in Romans chapter 1 that the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah, we don't live by guilt. We don't live by shame. We don't live by fear. We live by faith. You got to have faith. But you know what, brothers and sisters? When Jesus comes back, we won't need faith anymore. 
We won't need it anymore. What, I, you don't need faith for what you see in front of you. Right? And, and then he says, right now, we need hope. You got to have hope. You, you know what happens to people who don't have hope? They don't get out of bed in the morning. Folks who don't have hope, they, they take their life. Because see, without hope, you will die. And so right now, we got to have hope. But you know what? When Jesus comes back, we don't need hope anymore. We don't need hope anymore. Because, because what we've been hoping for has come about. So when Christ comes back, we won't need faith. We won't need hope. But when Jesus comes back, we will experience love for all of eternity. Because the great thing about this agape love is that it never ends. It never ends. All right, now here I'm almost done. Why does Jesus love you? Why does God love you? You got to go to Deuteronomy to find the answer to that. Can you believe that, Deuteronomy? <laughs> you got to go to Deuteronomy. But if you've got to buy, let me just, and I'm on, right here, I'm finishing right here. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now let me, let me, let me get this to you. Verse 6, for you are people. I want you to receive this. Just receive this right now. For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, he's chosen you. And he says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. It's not because you 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 are something special about you. For you for no, you not really all that special. It's not for that, that the Lord has set his love on you. But verse eight, but it's because the Lord loves you. So why does the Lord love you? Because he loves you. That's it. it did you get that? Why does he love you? Does he love you because you came here this weekend? No. Does he love you because you are a great person? No. Does he love you because you're really smart? No. Does he love you because you are devoted and committed? No. Does he love you because you are gifted? No. Why does he love you? He loves you because he loves you. That's it. He just loves you because he loves you. Now, here's the question. Will you receive it? That's for you. That's for you right there. Will you receive his love? Will you receive it? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, give us faith to believe that this is true. Give us eyes to see Jesus. Give us hearts to believe that you love us. And would you do that so that we might, in turn, go love others in the way that we have been loved. For your glory and our good, we all we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.